Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. We find our place in Luke 9 today. We are actually uh, coming to the last of our series here as we've been studying the uh, life of Jesus Christ. This series has been Encountering Christ. Today's the last day in it. I'll tell you, next week, less than next week, we're starting a Christmas series. Um, it's going to be called His Name Shall Be, and it's from the prophecy in Isaiah of His Name Shall Be Called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We're going to take one of those each week in the month of December, and so I want to encourage you plan to come and be here. The series is already an encouragement to me, and I know, I believe it'll be a help to you, and so invite somebody to be with you. Maybe you've wondered, why is Jesus called wonderful? Why is he called a counselor? Why is he a, the mighty God or everlasting father or prince of peace? We're going to dive into those each week and take some scripture. And then, we're, of course, we'll look into the Christmas story and see how that relates to all of us and the hope that we have because he came. And so plan to be a part of that series starting next Sunday. Today, we are jumping into Luke chapter number nine, finishing out this short series that we've been in. I say short, this is message number 19. <laughs> Just know, we have another series in Luke that's coming around the corner. We're only to chapter 10, so uh, we got a lot coming. But I wonder this morning as we get started, have you ever, uh, you ever been driving and you make a turn and you're going down a road that you recognize, maybe you've been on multiple times, but as you go, you come to something like this. You've been driving and a storm happens and a tree is down in the road that you're supposed to go to. Or, or maybe you go like I did on uh, the Thanksgiving day. My wife and I were driving in Spokane and uh, we were heading somewhere that I kind of knew where I was going, but I put it in the GPS and the, in my phone and my phone's telling me to turn on a street. And so I went to turn on this street and there was just cement barriers. The street was not even a street. It was weeds all grown over. I was like, my theory is trying to kill me. I, I went to turn. There's no one. There's, the street was blocked completely. Maybe you've been to a road closed sign because of construction, or you've been to a man-made barrier of some sort. Let me ask you, when roadblocks come, aren't you just delighted? No. I've never met somebody that's driving and they come to a roadblock. They're like, yes, I love these things. And if we're being honest, roadblocks are frustrating. Roadblocks are irritating, especially when, especially when it's unexpected. I think about probably my, my most favorite story about roadblocks is my father-in-law. My father-in-law, his name is Greg Perkins. He pastors up in Republic, Washington. Greg, when he was a teenager... He was 17 years old. I called him this week to make sure I got the story right. He's 17 years old. One of their friends was working and going to get off work at midnight. And so they, they grew up in this little town, town of probably about five to 500 to 1,000 people in this town in central California. So their buddy's going to get off work at midnight. So they decide, hey, let's, let's kind of pull a prank on him when he comes home. So they went to the, the high school they took a picnic bench from the high school, took that to their buddy's house and put it right at the entrance of his long 200-foot driveway so that he couldn't get home, he couldn't get in, anything, he had to get out and move that picnic table. They did that. 
They got that in place and they thought, why stop with one table? So let's go get another. So they went back. They ended up putting like four or five picnic tables in front of this guy's driveway. And then they thought, why stop with just picnic tables? They started going and gathering all of the road signs that they could. And they started putting them in his driveway. And then they thought, why stop with his driveway? They spent the next few hours taking anything that you could remove from the town and putting it anywhere else in the town. So they, they, were block, they blocked the post office. They put a big cement block in front of the post office. They took one of those huge extension ladders and put it right down Main Street where people couldn't drive, drive down Main Street until they moved the ladders and everything that was holding it in place. And of course, you can imagine as the whole town wakes up in the morning, you're running late for work. And you have to get out and move a ladder. You have to get out and move five picnic benches and all the street signs. And of course, my father-in-law told me that they did, in fact, get in trouble for that. But I won't, I'll let him share that part of the story. But man, can you imagine something like that? Just coming to all of those barriers, all those road, all those hindrances. Man, when you come to a hindrance, when you come to a roadblock, uh, I just want to destroy it. I want to go back to like being a little kid with laser vision. And I just want to laser shoot whatever's in my, get it out of the way. Why? Because it's hindering me from getting where I need to go. We all hate roadblocks in life, driving. But I want you to understand this morning that every single one of us, every single one of us, every week we face roadblocks, we face hindrances in our relationship with God. Every single week, God has purposes and plans for you. Every week, God has a way that he wants to work in your marriage and a way that he wants to work in your family and a way that he wants to work in your job. And God has a way that he wants to work in you and and your relationship. And God, God desires to work in your life. But I hate to tell you this morning, every day there are hindrances. Every day there are roadblocks between you and God. And this morning, we're going to talk about the greatest roadblock. The greatest roadblock between you and God. This coming week, the, great, the, the biggest thing that is going to stop you from being where God wants you to be, the greatest roadblock in your best Christian life is you. You are the biggest hindrance in your Christian life. Dennis Fountain is the biggest hindrance in Dennis Fountain's Christian life. And that's the topic, that's the thought we're going to look at today, the fact of how are we the biggest roadblock? How am I the biggest hindrance in my Christian life? And what can I do to get out of the way? Luke chapter number nine, beginning in verse number Uh, 46. Let's stand together and we'll read this passage together. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse number 46, the word of God, it says this. It says, then there arose a reasoning, a discussion among them. This is the apostles, the disciples traveling with Jesus. The discussion among them was which of them should be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving, knowing the, the thought of their heart, he took a child And he set him by him, and he said unto them, 
Whosoever, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whosoever receives me receives him that sent me. And John, hearing that, John answered and he said, oh, well, master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name and we forbade him. We tried to stop him because he followeth not with us. And Jesus, he said unto him, forbid him not. Because he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. So the crucifixion's right around the corner, just a few months away. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's focused. And so he sent messengers before him and they went. Those messengers, they entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him or to announce, hey, Jesus is coming. And they, that village, when Jesus got there, they didn't receive him. Why? Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. I'm not going to stay a long time. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias or Elijah did? Hey, God, let's, let's just get back of them. They didn't accept you. Jesus, he turned and he rebuked them. And he said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For because the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And Jesus just went to another village. It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto Jesus, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Wherever you go, I will go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air, they have nests. But the son of man, he has nowhere to lay his head. And Jesus said to another, follow me. And that one responded. He said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hey, listen, this week, God has intentions and plans and purposes with your life, with me. God has things that he would like to accomplish in you and through you. God, God wants to work this week and be close to you. But the sad truth is you're gonna stand in God's way. I'm gonna stand in God's way. Today, we're gonna to see how do we stand in God's way? How am I the biggest hindrance in my Christian life? And what can I do about it? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take a minute and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and would you ask God to speak to you? And then would you commit to the Lord? God, if you speak to me today, I'm gonna to listen to you. God, if you speak to me today, 
with your help, I'll make a decision today for you that you want me to make. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd bless our time as we get into the passage today. I pray that you'd help us. I pray that we would hear from you. Lord, I humble my heart before you. I recognize, God, that this is your word. And so I pray, Father, that you would use every word that I say to help each and every one of us. And Lord, help it to be you and not me. I just want to serve you today and be used. And God, we love you. And we pray that you'd be blessed and that uh, your name would be lifted up because of what takes place here. And then, Lord, that we'd be encouraged and that we'd be helped. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I just want to kind of jump right into it today. Four reasons why you and I are the biggest hindrance in our Christian life and our fellowship with God. Number one today, I recognize this, that I am my biggest hindrance or biggest roadblock because of my desire to be the greatest, my desire to be the best. If you go into the passage, the passage actually opens up with Jesus continuing on this journey. Of course, if you've been with us in, the, uh, in our study, we know that Jesus is now, he's been about two years, two and a half years of his earthly ministry. He's done many miracles. He's healed. He's taught. He's preached. He's just blown people's minds as to what he could do and who he was and the fact that he is the Messiah. And so if you go and you study it, there's been a kind of a change recently where Jesus came to his apostles and he said, hey, listen, I am going to die. You think the Messiah is going to set up the kingdom and make things great now, but I have to die first, and then I'm going to go away for a little bit, and they kind of rebuked him for it. Well, now is the time where we see that Jesus is kind of steadfast on this. He's focused on it. As a matter of fact, when we jump back into the book of Luke next year, you will see multiple times where Jesus is like, hey guys, remember, I'm leaving. So he's going to reiterate this time and time again. So now on this day, Jesus they're traveling, and the story would have us, have us understand that there arose a reasoning among them, a dispute, a discussion as to who is the greatest, who the word greatest there, it means the largest, and it's not talking about Thanksgiving meal went too far. It's talking about like who is the most known, who is the best among us. So they're talking about this, and... <clears throat> Matthew records and actually, or excuse me, Mark records that they came into town and Jesus asked them saying, what is it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? So Jesus asked them, uh, perceiving the thought of their heart. He knows what they're thinking. Hey guys, what are you guys talking about? I don't know. Here's how I imagine the situation. They're traveling. Jesus is maybe up front of the group. There's perhaps one or two with him walking along, just talking. And about five to seven, 10 feet behind him, you got Peter, James, and John, and Thaddeus, and Matthew, and Thomas, and Judas, and Bartholomew. You got these guys back there, and they're going, no, 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 I'm, I'm the best. And Peter goes, why do you think you're the best? And James says, well, it's because, you know, I'm bigger than you. And Peter says, well, that's no, but Jesus always talks to me, calls me by name. And Judas says, no, no, I'm the best because I carry money. And Thaddeus says, no, no, I'm the best. And they're all arguing who's the greatest among them. And Jesus, they get to where they're going, and says, hey, what were you guys talking about back there? Us? Peter, since you're so awesome, why don't you tell them what? And what does Jesus do? Well, the Bible says that he grabs a little child nearby. Say, hey, come here, son, come here. 
That child comes nearby him and just sits down by Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, whoever receives a little one receives me. And whoever receives me receives the Father. And then, and then Jesus says this, for he that is least among you shall be great. Jesus knew what they were arguing about, and so he brings a little child near him. Why a child? I want you to think about it today. Uh, A child is what? A child is not really known. A child is someone that is seen as helpless. A child is someone that is seen as having no status. A child is someone who's seen as being in desperate need for someone else to fight for them or defend them. And so when Jesus says, when you receive a child, he's not saying, okay, well, listen, if you guys will look after children, then listen, you'll be really great. No, no, no. Receive. He's saying, hey, if you will accept a child and recognize that a child, even a child has status, you are not above a child. You are not better than, hey, if you will have the heart of a child. A child is humble. A child, you know, now we understand this. Some children can be very proud, but honestly, most children, most children aren't walking around trying to make a big name of themselves. You ever notice how oblivious kids are to life? Don't you want that sometimes? Man, I mean, you watch a kid, they just like come in. My wife and I talk about it often at the house. Kids will just come in and like destroy the house. They leave trash everywhere. They just, they're just like going through, like, I'm just living my day. I'm having a fun time. I don't care what's taking place. Man, I want to I do that. They don't care what anybody thinks about them. They just want, I just want to have fun and hang out with my friends. That's all I want to do. Then they become a teenager. And I'm thinking, can't you just be a child again? You know, no, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I love my teenagers. You know what Jesus is helping them understand? This phrase, he that is least among you shall be the greatest. Hey, you guys don't get it. You're arguing about who's the best. You know what you're living with? Complete pride. You know, these guys were living just complete pride. They were completely consumed with themselves. They were completely wanting to be known You know, in the Christian life, what hinders you getting closer to God? It's your pride. You know what hinders Dennis Fountain getting closer to God? It's my pride. Why? Because my pride often shows up and I want to be known. Oh, it's not about making Jesus known. You say, well, pastor, you're you're the pastor. Aren't you supposed to just make Jesus known? Oh, yes, yes, we're supposed to make Jesus known. But I'm going to talk just humanly right now. Do you want to know who's probably one of the most proud people? Is this guy. And I get in the way so much. Why? Because I want to be known. My pride, I want to be the greatest. Hey, be honest. How does your pride affect your relationships? How does your pride affect your marriage, ma'am? Hey, sir, how does your pride affect the job place? Hey, teenager, how does your pride affect your siblings and your relationship? Hey, if we're honest today, we would each realize and recognize my pride often is the biggest hindrance in my Christian life. Why? Because I live with such a competitive spirit. I'd say this morning that Jesus encouraged them, you just need to change your view of yourself. 
change your view of yourself. Jesus actually said it this way in Matthew 23, verse number 11. He that is greatest among you shall be your, what's the word? Servant. Hey, sometimes when I'm in my way, you know what I need to do? I just need to get my focus off of me. You know what your marriage could use this week? You know what your family could use this week? You know what your uh, friendships could use this week? It could use you being less consumed with you. Mm. Why am I the biggest hindrance in my Christian life? Well, I'm the biggest hindrance because of my desire to be the greatest. I'm also the biggest hindrance because of my desire to be right. Oh, this one is convicting. So they continue on their travels. Jesus, you know, he has this little child there. And he says, hey, the, the best among you is going to be a servant and accept. Just be a child. Humble your heart. All right, guys, let's get up. Let's travel on. And the, the Bible says that they're continuing traveling. And John, verse number 49, John answered, hey, Jesus, you know this thing you just told us? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. And we forbade him because he followeth not with us. Okay, so John's like this. Okay, okay, Lord. Yeah, you're right. We should not. We shouldn't have been arguing as to who's the greatest. You're, you're right. But we saw somebody that, followed, that, that believes in you and is casting out demons in your name, but they're not following with us. So we're at least greater than them, right? <laughs> because we told them to stop. So here's the scenario. And now, now we, know, we know this, we've gone through it a little bit. In the time of Jesus, when we read scripture and we read about the followers of Christ, if I were to say to you, who were the followers of Jesus during his day, you would say the apostles. And you'd be right. But there were thousands more. There were thousands of people that believed Jesus was the Messiah. And you can go and read story after story where Jesus actually sent, a, sent followers out as ambassadors. Hey, I want you to go proclaim me. And, and there are people that did works in the name of Jesus Christ and they performed miracles and they did some of that because Jesus sent them out. And the key in this passage is that phrase when, he, when John says, we saw someone casting out devils in thy name. Here is somebody out there. Hey, that guy, that guy is a follower of you, Jesus. He's doing miracles in your name, but pay attention. But he's not in our group. I don't think John got it. Why? Because now he's comparing. First he was competing. Now he's comparing. Oh, hey, Lord. Okay, okay, right. We shouldn't have a competition among us. I, I get that. But we're at least better than those guys. This spirit in him is a spirit rooted in selfishness and it's a desire to be better than others. This desire to be right, this desire to be heard, this desire to be the one that Jesus says, yes, yes, John, I am closer to you than, I'm closer to, than I am to them. But what does Jesus say to him? Uh, wrong again. <laughs> Forbid him not. Hey, don't tell him no. He that, for he that is not against us is for us. What was Jesus saying? Hey, John, we're on the same team. Just because he's not in your clique doesn't mean he's wrong and you're right. 
So what is Jesus telling him? Hey, John, you can, you can actually cheer him on. You don't have to be right and him wrong. Here's what I'll tell you this morning. If we're not careful, we can become consumed with proving our worth by wanting to prove that we are right or that we have a corner on truth. Now, here's what I mean by that. In your Christian life, think about it. In your Christian life, what hinders some of your relationships, your friendships, your fellowship with other believers? It's probably times in your life when you have to be right. I love my wife. I love Hannah. We have a great time together. Every now and then, we get in what I call heated discussions. You know what Dennis does? Dennis, because of pride, can sometimes be hurtful because I'm trying to prove I am right. And I want you to say it. Say it with me. You are right. Ready? And she just looks at me. Oh, he said, oh, Pastor, you do it too? In your home, yeah, pretend like you have a perfect marriage. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Well, we never argue with our kids. Liar! Hey, you know what? We try to, siblings are like, well, I never argue with my siblings. Liar. <laughs> you know why? You know why we argue? I gotta be right. I'm gonna put my foot down. I'm right. You can put that foot down and go sleep in the doghouse. <laughs> what are we doing? We live with a spirit of comparison. I am better than you. I have, I have the right, I'm the only one with the right answer. Okay, now listen, it affects the home. Did you know, stay with me, it affects the church. You wanna know, hey, you wanna know why a lot of Christians get bitter and hurt and frustrated? It's because they wanna be right. And there's a lot of Christians that think they have the corner on truth. It's like I think this. You know, Pastor Carlos, I mean, I know, I know you love Jesus and everything, but I'm closer to Jesus than you are. Me and Jesus, we're buddies. You're, you're a little further away from him. Now, now you say this. Well, I would never say that. We may not say it, but our actions say it sometimes, and here's how. Are you still with me? Here's how we do it. We make mountains out of molehills and we hurt people in the process. Here's what I mean by that. I preach on this often. We talk about it here at church. We hit on things. We try to just stay on the Bible. You know, the Bible talks about things that are called preferential issues. What are preferential issues? They are things that are not doctrine. What is doctrine? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's doctrine. Hey, I will stand and I will proclaim to anybody to their face, Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
He's the only way. There is no other way. It is not all roads lead to heaven. It is not all religions will get you there. No, 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 my friend. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the only way that you can have forgiveness of sins and be reconciled and have a relationship with God. Baptism follows salvation. It is not part of salvation. That is doctrinal truth. The Bible is the word of God. It is scripture. It is God's word to us. But whether or not you wear a tie or don't wear a tie to church, doesn't matter. What color the blinds are. Are those even called blinds? What are those? Curtains. Whether you call them blinds or curtains, doesn't matter. Color the carpet at church, doesn't matter. What movie your family rents, that's between you and the Lord. What you wear out and about, that's between you and the Lord. Do you understand preferential issues? Here's what Christians do. <gasps> well, I would never. And so because I would never, I am closer to God than you because I would never. Now, now listen, could we find a biblical platform by which we make every decision? Yes. Okay, we, we could. could. Could I make a case that you probably shouldn't watch something that has a bunch of junk in it? Yeah, I could make a case for that. But that's not a doctrinal issue. But here's what Christians do. I'm right, you're wrong. Nah, 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 nah. Paul wrote about it in Romans 8. Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, and 11. Paul wrote about it to the church in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, helping believers understand your desire to be right will ruin relationships. This is what Jesus was teaching. He's helping them understand, like, you can be right or you can be close to me. <laughs> I just tell you, that spirit of comparison, what will it do? It'll cause ruin. I hate this. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Here's why. Because I want to be right so much. And you know what I do sometimes? I ruin a great day. I've ruined friendships. I've hurt my family. I've said mean things and critical things to those closest to me because I wanted to be right. You know what I look at and I say? It wasn't worth it. Now again, I'm not talking about doctrinal issues. I'm not talking about sin and egregious things. I'm talking about like this next week, there's gonna be an argument as to where you eat one day. In the grand scheme of things, I don't want to be right. Man, you know what I want? I want to be humble. Learn, to, learn deference. And there's way more that we could talk about here, but I love how one man said it when he talks about Christianity, and here's what I'll say, and we'll be done with this thought, is believers who think that their group is the only group God recognizes and blesses, they are in for a shock when they get to heaven. You know what we do in Christianity? We're right, you're wrong. When we're closer to God because... And do you know what we do sometimes? We hurt other friendships and relationships with people. Can I tell you today? I love our church. I am passionate to say this. I believe Moses Lake Baptist Church is the greatest church in Moses Lake. Now, I hope you believe that. I really do. Now, I haven't been to all the rest, but I really believe it. 
But there are other churches today in Moses Lake where Jesus is being preached. And you know what? I love it. And I'll see some pastors this week and I'll ask them, hey, how'd church go this week? Man, I prayed for you. There might be other Christians at your workplace that they may not cross their T's and dot their I's like you. That's okay. You're not closer to God because you have a bigger Bible than them. You're not closer to God because your Bible is paper and not on your phone. Like, you understand what I mean? That spirit of comparison. And it always leads to ruin. My desire to be right is the biggest hindrance. What else is a hindrance? Well, my desire to get even. <laughs> oh, this one, is, this one hurts. My desire to get even. <clears throat> the story continues. Jesus is now continuing to pass on and, and drive. and uh, Not drive. They weren't in their Camelac. But they were uh, continuing down the road. And so Jesus, the Bible says this in verse number 51, it says it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. So again, looking to the cross, steadfastly set his face. He's focused on going to Jerusalem. What's he do? He sent messengers before his face. So there would be a messenger that would go to a city and they went, they entered in a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Hey guys, listen, Jesus is coming in town. He's going to be in town tonight. Well, Jesus gets there and this specific town, what happens? They didn't receive him. Why? Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem, simply saying, Jesus is focused. I'm not going to stay here long. I'm not going to minister long. I'm not going to work a bunch of miracles. I'm staying one, maybe two nights, and then I'm on, I'm on the way. And the people of this city, they're like, well, if he doesn't have time for us, then we don't want him to come. If he's not going to be here longer than a night, we don't care. So the disciples, James and John, they see this, and what do they say? Lord, <laughs> let's, let's call down fire from heaven and let's kill the whole city like Elijah did. Well, let's do that. Well, what are they doing? Hey, they, re they rejected you. Let's get even. I, I can't believe they wouldn't receive you like we received you. Lord, let's just get even. Strike them dead. But what Jesus do? He turned and rebuked them. <laughs> I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, you can remember getting in trouble, like your parents when you were little getting in trouble, and your dad like, look, hey, hey, don't do that. Can you imagine the Lord like turning and looking at you? Like this moment, Lord, call down fire from heaven. And, you know, I don't think Jesus was like, what did you? I don't think he was doing that. I think Jesus just did the, like, the parent, like, really? And, like, the eyes of Christ. And he's just like, ah. Uh, you missed it again. He rebukes them. He gets onto them. And notice what he says. You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. Now, now you and I, we read that and we're like, well, what does that mean? This is Jesus basically saying like, you are not following me right now. You're following somebody else. <laughs> Why? What was the spirit they were speaking of? Vengeance. Get even. And notice what Jesus says. For the son of man came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. 
hey guys, you're focused on getting even. You know what I focused on? Forgiveness, grace. So what does Jesus do? He just goes to the next village. He's saying, hey, listen, guys, this is a fight for another day. They need forgiveness. Let's just go to somebody who will receive us. You know what? You and I, in our Christian life, we too have this desire to get even. In our, in our life, oftentimes, our first response to a situation is, how can I get even? Our first response to being hurt is, how can I hurt? Our first response to being over, taken advantage of is, how can I take advantage of? Our first desire is, how can I get even? You did me wrong, I do you wrong. Can I just encourage you this morning, when you find yourself having this attitude, remember why Jesus came. He came to bring forgiveness. And Ephesians chapter four says that we can forgive because we've been forgiven. We can offer grace because we've had grace in our lives. Hey, listen, you today, the situations in your life that you're looking at and saying, I just wish I could get even, today maybe step back and say, God, help me to have a spirit of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness that may not mean that I allow that person in my sphere of influence again. That forgiveness may not mean that I give them the position in my life that they had again, but a spirit of forgiveness, listen, a spirit of forgiveness is freeing. Why? Because it is just like Jesus. But all too often, you know what Dennis Fountain is like? Fire from heaven. You did me wrong, fire from heaven. Hey, in the Christian life, when you find yourself having this attitude, just remember, why did Jesus come? And I want to apply this in one more direction this morning because I see it in our country. I see it in the Christianity of our country. How many of you have noticed that in the last four years, our United States of America has become more divided than I've ever seen it? Now, some of you, you have decades more and you would probably even say the same thing. Do you want to know often what's at the middle of divisiveness? Christians who forget forgiveness. What do you mean, pastor? You know what we do? We want to have this mindset. Since you're not in my political party, you're wrong, I'm right, and we have this mindset. God, just deal with the reprobate. God, just exterminate this group of people that I disagree with. God, just wipe them off the face of God. Just, you know what we're doing? We're just trying to prove we're better. I can get even because I'm closer to God than they are. It's like we see somebody that rejects Jesus You ever had someone reject Christ? I mean, you've tried to talk to them and they reject Jesus. You want to know the spirit that Dennis fights? I want to go, okay, God, I tried. That's not what the Lord would do. God, I'm going to pray for him. Now, again, I'm not talking to back down on issues that matter. Hey, listen, today I will tell you that marriage is between one man and one woman. I'll tell you that. Today, I will say that the LGBTQ crowd and that movement, listen, I will say that the ideology that's represented there is against God. But people that follow that, 
people that are in that lifestyle, people that vote differently than you, people that have a different political view than you, people that are addicted to some sort of a cult or some sort of a drug. Listen, people that have a different opinion than you, those people, the very same people Jesus died for just like you. And so it's not God judge. It's God help. God use me. God, show me grace. God, help me to show forgiveness. God, help me. What am I doing? I'm just simply saying, God, help me not to have this desire to get even. I'm my biggest roadblock because of my desire to be the greatest, my desire to be right, my desire to get even, and lastly today, because of my desire to get my way. I want my way. So Jesus is continuing Three scenarios take place. They're all back to back. The first is verse 57 and 58. It came to pass that as they went by the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. All right, this just random guy walks up. Man, Lord, I'm gonna follow you wherever you go. And Jesus turns to the first, this first man and he says, foxes have homes and birds have homes. But the son of man, listen, I don't have a home to go to. Why was Jesus saying this? He was helping this man understand, you say you're gonna follow me, but can you trust? Can you really trust? Like, I'm not going home to a, a home and a comfortable bed every night. I'm, this is a ministry that I'm moving about. Can you trust me and can you trust God? They're still continuing. Jesus finds a second man and he says unto another, says unto this guy, follow me. This guy looks at Jesus and says, oh, yes. Okay, Lord, I'll I'll follow you, but allow me first to to go and bury my father. Okay, now culturally, you and I are like, bury his father, so his dad died. And then Jesus is like, no, let the dead bury their dead. Like, what is, man, that's kind of disrespectful. No, in the culture and in the language, and we don't have time, that's a whole nother message This man is actually, his dad is still living. And the key phrase is the words, me first. Let me first go and bury my, hey, maybe his dad was sick. Maybe his dad was dying, but the father is still alive. And so in this request, Jesus, this man is saying, let me fulfill all of the Hebrew rituals when it comes to a dying person. This could take a month. It could take a year. It could take three years. What is this man saying? Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I got plans. <laughs> so once I get done with my plans, then I'll follow you. And Jesus' response is, life happens and death happens. Let the dead bury their dead, but you, you need to go and preach the kingdom. Hey, there is more important things going on than your plans. Third scenario, another one comes to him and says, Lord, I will follow you, but let, what's the next two words? Me first. You see it? But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home. Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you, but listen, I wanna go home, spend some time with my family. I've got some things to accomplish with them before I follow you. And Jesus says to him, 
No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is simply saying to this man, hey, listen, you have your plans that you want to accomplish. You have your friends that you want to see. But I will tell you this, that if you're going to follow me, you've got to be focused. So what do we learn about this? What do we learn when we look at this idea that I'm my biggest roadblock because of my desire getting in my way? Here's what I will tell you today. The life of following Jesus is three things. It is complete trust. It is complete dedication. It is complete focus. What does Dennis Fountain struggle with? I struggle with trust when things don't go my way. What does Dennis Fountain struggle with? I struggle with really being dedicated when I'm not getting my way. I struggle with being focused when I'm not getting my way. Here's what they said. Hey, we'll follow you, but Jesus, let me first do this or that. Let me get my way, and then I'll follow you. I hate to say it this morning, but you want to know what a lot of Christians, you know, what we do? Here's what a lot of Christians say. Lord, I'll do that, but first, let me. Lord, I'll follow you next week. Lord, I'll get serious about you tomorrow. Lord, I know you want me to, but just let me first get, what are we doing? We're just trying to get our way. Want to know what's going to hinder your walk with the Lord this week and my walk with the Lord this week is my desire to get my way. So what do I do? Well, remember at the beginning I said, uh, what do you want to do when you come up to that roadblock, when you come up to that tree? You know what Dennis Fountain wants to do? I want to be that little child. How many of you pretended like you had lasers or beams or something when you were a kid? I did. I like pull out my little gun. I thought my dad could change every red light to green light with his finger. I really did. I thought my dad had some sort of power. We'd be driving. All he'd be doing is watching the other light and he'd go, and every time my dad was right. And I was like, how is he doing that? Man, I grew up thinking like this has power. When I come to a roadblock, I just went laser, you know. I just want to get, I want to get that roadblock out of my way. So here's what I'll tell you today. In your Christian life, you do have the ability to get your biggest hindrance out of your way because it's you. So what do we do? Get out of your own way. Hey, don't have to be right. Don't, this week, don't have to be the greatest. Don't have to get even. This week, don't have to have things your way. No, this week, humble your heart and say, God, I just want to exalt you this week. Lord, I don't want to be known. I want to make you known. I don't want to be right. I want you to be right. God, I don't want to get even. I want to learn to forgive like you have forgiven me. And God, I don't want to get my way. Lord, I want your way. God, help me this week to get out of my way. I don't know about you, but I want a close relationship with God. I really do. Man, the older I get, and I recognize I'm still a young man, but the older I get, the more I realize what is really important. 
And it's great that we want retirement, and it's great that you want to be healthy, and it's great that you want to have a good home and and security, and it's great that we want things, and I'm a sports fan. It's great to like that stuff, and it's great to get excited. It's great to be devout about things in life, but let me just tell you, my friend, that God has more in store for you and I if we would just walk with him, be in fellowship with him, be dedicated to him. Every day, being humble before him, God wants to accomplish more in and through you than you and I could realize, but we get in the way. So today, if you're in the way, humble your heart. How do I do it, Lord? I'm sorry I, got, I get in the way. Forgive me and God help me see any time that I'm in the way of my relationship with you. Maybe you're here this morning and You've been getting in the way of you receiving Jesus Christ as your savior. I want to ask this question today. If you died, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If you're here and you're not, I beg with you today, get out of the way and receive Jesus into your life. He died for you. He was crucified, buried, and risen again so you and I could have forgiveness from him. If you've never received him, get out of the way and make that decision today. For everyone here that does know Christ, this week, don't be the roadblock between you and God.